I want to welcome you into another episode of a Quick Timeout podcast. My guest today is Furman University's Bob Ritchie. If by chance you haven't heard of Coach Ritchie, he's one of the emerging young coaches in college basketball. I'm extremely fortunate to live and coach in the same town as Coach Ritchie, and so I've been able to witness firsthand his start as a coach and watch how he's continued to grow the Paladins program. This episode, though, isn't much about X's and O's. A good bit of it, it really isn't even about what happens on the court. Instead, Coach and I talk about cultivating team culture through communication and focusing on the player as a person. To date, this is one of my favorite conversations, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Just real quick, big thanks again to our friends over at 323 Sports for sponsoring the podcast. 323 Sports is a team dealer specializing in sports uniforms, equipment, footwear, and apparel. To find out more about how 323 Sports can help your athletic program, visit 323sports.com. Now here's my interview with Furman's coach, Bob Ritchie. Joining us today is Coach Bob Ritchie, head men's basketball coach for the Furman Paladins. Coach, I saw you all have started classes this week in workouts, so thanks for taking the time for us. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to talking a little bit. A lot of times we think of the new academic year as being kind of the start of when a team gets together, but you guys have not only spent time together during summer workouts, but you've actually played some games together. Uh, I don't feel like you need to recap everything. For those that don't know, Coach Richie does an all-din podcast with one of the local radio guys around here and does a great job with that. So go look that up if you want to hear more about it. But what are maybe two or three things that you learned from that trip down there to the Bahamas about your team that you didn't know going into it? You know, everybody has their own philosophy on how they want to manage the trips. I thought for us, it was really important that we just tried to become one. And, um, you know, everything we did really circled around that. And we didn't put quite as much emphasis on, you know, trying to go down there and win the games necessarily, doing a lot of different basketball sessions we really wanted to just figure out how can we maximize this time to to bring ourselves together. And um, and I thought we did that. I thought we did a good job of that through the practices, obviously. You know, you get the 10 practices before you leave for the trip, which we tried to ride that, ride that balance of keeping it summertime. We didn't really want it to feel like October. And um, we tried to steer away from a lot of install and really allow those guys to play and, and put them in some structure and some concepts and, you know, let it let it feel like a little bit of, um, of, of summer ball, but at the same time, could we get ahead on a few things? And you know, as a staff, we basically identified three things on both sides of the ball we wanted to try to improve on, but we didn't try to do it all. And um, I thought that was key for our guys. And uh, once we once we got on the plane Friday, all the work was done. We wanted to go down there and just have a blast. And so we we played a game Saturday, we played a game Sunday at three, and we were done after that. And and we were there till Wednesday. And so. You know, we were able to go into the city and, um, you know, had some different things lined up there. You know, we did we did a little catamarans tour that was a lot of fun, and the guys were really able to spend some time connecting. The staff was able to really connect, and uh, we just had a great time. You mentioned just kind of getting the guys to get together and kind of learn more about themselves, but I also know that you have some new guys coming in. So as far as that trip and it being planned, this is just now you're just a few years into things there at Furman, like the timing of that trip. Was there any kind of intentional purpose behind that as far as maybe the roster that you have coming into this year? Not really. We just wanted to keep it on a four-year continuum. You know, we, we, we went to Costa Rica four years ago when I was an assistant and Nico was the head coach. And, you know, it was just – it was our four years was here. And so, um, you know, I think I think anytime you can do something like that, I wish we could do it every year. 
but you just try to maximize it and you try to, you try to figure out like, what do we need? And, you know, for us, we have four returning starters and then we have some guys that were reserves. that got to play a little bit. We wanted to see, we wanted to, we wanted to use those games and we played 12 man rotations. Uh, we played a ton of different lineups. We played a bunch of our freshmen, a lot of minutes, and we were just trying to see, like, could we get a head start on seeing what the new guys could do? And um, I tell you what, it was it was it was good because we were able to see some things. And um, one of our freshmen really stood out, and 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 you could see it. You could see that he he kind of, you know, was on a little bit steeper of an incline than we anticipated. And um, you know, that's good as you start to formulate fall plans and uh, going into practice. Something that I've heard you speak a lot about is communication and specifically being really intentional about your team's terminology. I'll ask some more specific questions related to that in just a few minutes, but can you just talk about the importance that you place on those things, communication, terminology, and how those things really influence the culture that you have there at Furman? Yeah, you know, I think I think we spend a lot of time as coaches complaining about what this generation and what this society doesn't do. and. You know, we spend a lot of time like they don't know how to do this. Or they don't know how to do this. I wish as an industry we would take more time of teaching them how to do it. And and so a lot of a lot of that is what we do here is we try to be really intentional that, you know, of course, they don't necessarily communicate the same way that we used to. OK, so we've got to teach them the way that we think is a proper way to communicate amongst themselves in a way that's going to work for them to get the to get the product that we want. And so we emphasize communication a lot. And uh you know, it's on the court. You know, that's why we have a language. I think the language is important because if you don't have a language, you know, it breaks down communication. If you have a language, it increases that flow of communication. There's a lot of different team activities we do. There's a lot of different speakers that we bring in here. There's a lot of things that we do cumulatively in our program to really emphasize the importance of communication and, and really learning how to challenge and really learning the humility to receive that challenge and trying with this with the whole intent that we're all just trying to get to our best. You know, so we have a leadership council that I work with once a week and um, had a 45-minute meeting with them yesterday, and it's every single week. And a lot of what I'm doing there is I'm teaching them how we need to communicate as a program, right? And you're going through your culture and you're going through what you want to be said and repeated and messaged to your team. And then you're, you're trying to challenge them to go out and speak that, and do that and give them opportunities to lead. And I think all of that over time builds up, right? The accumulation of the little things make the big things happen. And when you do it a lot off season, different times of the year, now all of a sudden when you're in an adverse environment, then they can start to communicate with each other because they've done it before. Speaking to the on-the-court communication, I know a lot of your terminology, at least from what you've conveyed during some clinics that I've, I've listened to, is directly tied to your team's offense, which I kind of think is interesting just because typically when you say communication to coaches, they immediately think of like the defensive end. So when it comes to kind of you know the communication and the terminology that's needed for your offense, you guys play a lot out of concepts. Do you think that if you didn't have that terminology that your players would maybe be a little bit slower in picking up those concepts? I do because, and I think for a few reasons. One, I think it would slow down how we talk. I think that communication, when it's clear, when it's concise, and when it's consistent, I think I think it helps the teaching environment. So it allows our install to be easier, and then it allows us to stack concepts easier because when you play out a concept, the key is can you bridge those? Can you stack those concepts together in a seamless way? And when you coach through it, you've got to be able to communicate a certain language to those players that they get, and then they got to be able to communicate that to each other. And then when they start seeing them, they start hearing the language, they start seeing the concept. Now I think they're able to really go out there and play like that. And then when we have 
huddles, when we have scouting, to be honest with you, we're able to speak a certain language. When we see somebody else run something, we can say, hey, that this is that. And instead of having to go down there and walk through it, then usually we have some terminology for it that really allows us to really shortcut a few things efficiently. I mean, we're not leaving any details behind, but we've really already defined a lot of that stuff through our communication. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been to a few of your games sitting behind the bench, and it would seem to me that when you come to a huddle, there are very specific things that are saying, and there's no lost time. And I know it's different college level. We have longer timeouts and that kind of stuff, but it would just seem like when you come there, you have something very specific to say, and there's no lost words, and the guys are very in tune with that. Does that help even during the course of a game like that? I really think it does. We we spend a lot of time from my time as a head coach from year one to year two really studying a timeout procedure and, and how to make that time efficient, right, and how to make sure that it's not emotional and regardless of how you're playing, that the point of the timeout is to try to realign to the standard. And maybe you're doing that already. Maybe you're playing to the standard, and so now it's just encouragement to just keep at it. Here's where we are, and this is where we need to be, or you're not, right? And so now, instead of getting bent about a certain play or two or frustrated with a, with a particular personnel, you're really just trying to get the ship back pointed towards the standard. So there's some there's some metrics that we we really try to analyze through the course of the game that we think are important to us and through our buy-in and through our language and, and, and through how we play and the success that we've had, we've been able to show our players that these particular metrics lend to us being successful. And so we try to have those benchmarks during those timeouts. Uh, you'll see I have I have somebody on our staff behind the bench, behind the huddle, that I have eye contact on and I can see what the numbers are. So as I'm formulating what I want to say to the team, I'm going off of real numbers and it's not just – it's not just emotional, right? There's some intentionality to it, and I think that makes it a little bit more efficient. I've had a, some coaches even ask me here recently what a specific action is called or what an area on the floor is called, and my response to them was, call it whatever you want to. Like, it's your team. Make it yours. So for you, how have you come up with your terminology? Is it stuff that you've picked up from other coaches? Is it stuff that you've made up? Is it stuff that an assistant coach said something, and you're like, oh, man, that's really good. We'll use that. How do you come up with your team's terminology? You know, it's, it's a little bit of a mix. We, we've stolen some, uh, but for the most part, we've made a lot of it up, and, and we've altered it to what fits us. I usually like to have something in the language that is symbolic or something that can connect in the brain to something that, that points to where we want to go, mm-hmm. right? So for us, you know, we call the corners the stretches, which a lot of people do. Uh, we're very we're very big on that because it stretches the floor. So we want to stretch and transition. So we want to get to the stretch. Uh, we actually call the wings the flats, and you know everybody's called it the wing for years. It works. I think there's different there's different spots on the wing that we really want to emphasize. So for us, that free throw line extended area, we call the flat. Then basically we just took that from football. We want to be closer to the sideline there than the three point line. So we really want to stretch it out. So get out wide. So instead of having to say, hey, get wide out there on the wing. Just get to the flat. Our guys know what that means. We call the top of the key the trigger. I can't necessarily tell you why we call it that. That's just what we call it. Um, we've got different split angles. We've got different slots. I just think you know we call the short corner something. We call the we call we, we call the charge circle something. Like I just think that court geography is huge when you're trying to coach and teach and you're trying to install and put in offense and talk. I think it's very important that. You're not just pointing to an area on the court, you know, that they can understand, hey, this is this action takes place here and uh, this is how the court has to be spaced. I think that's where it comes key is in your spacing. Mm-hmm. If, if you're 
if you really identified your core geography, I think it's, it's going to improve your spacing because I think you're going to teach those fine details of that core spacing a little bit better. Kind of coming full circle now, I asked you at the beginning about your roster and your team. So I'm interested to hear how are the freshmen doing um, for some a coach that's maybe listening to this, like what should be realistic expectations, not just for how a new player should pick up on terminology, but maybe also some practical things. I mean, do you give them a do you give them a book that has like a dictionary of your terminology or is it just using it all the time? How can a coach teach their new players and how quickly should they expect those new players to pick up on that terminology? So great question. We tried it two different ways. I've been a head coach for two years. So my first, my very first summer was all brand new. We were installing a whole new offense. And last year we had that new class in here and we kind of just, we kind of took more of the method of just, Hey, they're just going to figure it out. Right. Like we're going to have to make sure we have them in film. We got to make sure we're teaching. We got to make sure we're coaching and you know, they'll just pick it up. And, and, and they did, they finally did, especially a few of them more so towards, you know, mid January, February, so this off season, it was how do we how do we speed that? How do we expedite that process? So we put some time in May to developing what we called All Den Academy, and it was just our freshmen. And so part of part of it, it was kind of a, you know there was there was multiple f- facets to it. One was that we taught our culture, and and we taught it intentionally, and we taught it directly, and it was me to the freshmen, and it was 11:30 every single morning in the summer, and it was for an hour. And once we got through the culture stuff, then we start going into terminology and we start going into basketball stuff. Like here's, here's how we play. Here's some of the terminology. Here's, here's what you're going to have to know here. And then we were also able to really teach, you know, we went through a day, like, how do we want to lift, right? What are we going to expect out of you in the weight room? So we're not just in there yelling at them. Hey, you got to go harder. Like what is, what does a great lift look like? What does that look like to us? How do we communicate? And then you go into the further the man, what we're going to expect to you from you in terms of your complete person. And so it was really a great time for me as the head coach to get to know those guys, to be at a, those guys were just getting to campus and I could touch them every day and I could spend every day with them and I could see their struggles and I could see their pain. And I could see what they're going through and I could answer their questions directly. And um, I thought that really helped us as we progressed through the summer. Before I let you go, I kind of want to do like a semi-rapid fire. And I actually want to use this so that people can hear a little bit more about what you guys are doing there for the person development of your players. So for those who don't know, this is the non-basketball stuff the coach does with his guys. So just kind of real quickly here, what what's your favorite activity that you all do away from the court? You know, I think that my favorite, I, I, I like it all because I think it all matters. It's a program that we put together systematically to teach people how to lead, how to serve, how to communicate, how to present, and how to be life learners. And we try to do everything around those five areas. And so my, you know, my favorite part of it is probably the mentor aspect of it because it allows people, it allows successful people that have, that are more ahead in the journey to come in and be around our players and to help answer questions, but also help them navigate what's next. And seeing those relationships being built and seeing what that's been able to produce these last two years that we've seen guys get hired directly from that in our program that go out and we're, we're connecting those bridges and we're connecting those people. That's very rewarding from my side of it. And, um, you know, but all of it's fun. I mean, seeing the tailor come in, you know, three weeks ago and all the guys getting suited for their custom suits, it's, it's a tailor-made suit. They're going to get one every single year. 
and they're going to learn how to dress and they're going to learn why that's important. And we bring in professionals and executives to show them why that matters. That's that that's really, really rewarding, whether it be a resume program. We've done etiquette dinners. Uh, we had, I think, 30 speakers come in the program last year and calendar year. And uh, it just goes with our whole philosophy. And our whole philosophy here is to grow people. And um, everything we do, we believe that if we grow the person, the players come in behind it. And that it really comes down as coaches, regardless of the, the, the lack of security in our jobs and the pressures to win, that we still have to make sure that we have ultimate purpose in this. And, and that's that we're really, truly impacting lives, right? Not just saying it and not just, not just having it on our shirts and our walls, but are we actually, are we actually giving some type of guarantee that we're going to do that? And is there a systematic plan in it? And um, it's something that we spend a lot of time. In fact, we have now four people, including myself, on staff that have some type of piece of that program in their resume. And uh, I'm sorry, on their job description that they have that they understand that this is my part of this program. I won't make you pick a specific speaker, but I've seen you guys have some really interesting people in. So maybe what a guest speaker that you've had in that's been really impactful or that the guys have talked about again, that's non-basketball connected? You know, I mean, there's been a bunch, and so I can't think of them at all. Um, I'll tell you this. We have we have Damon West coming in in the middle of September that just wrote Coffee Bean with John Gordon. That's going to be phenomenal. But probably from this summer, I would probably have to say General Dempsey was, was probably the most impactful. And, you know, he was somebody that obviously he's over USA Basketball or he's chair of USA Basketball right now. But before that, he was the chairman of the Joint, Joint Chiefs. And basically, in layman's terms, if I get this correctly, he was over the entire military, right? And and he was in meetings with President Obama twice a week at least. And, you know, just having him on our campus, talking to our team and listening to that message, I think he, I think he spent about two hours with us. I think he could have gone four or five. I think that's how dialed in our players were to what he was saying. And the message was incredible. And it was a, it was a challenge. It was an extreme challenge to make sure – that, that in regardless of what we do, that, that we're always present and, and society's pulling us from being present and we're getting pulled away and we're getting distracted and loyalty's going out the window. And, you know, he just went through all these practical stories through his experiences and what he's seen. And um, I just know everybody in that room was touched, you know, but those those are the moments, right? Those are the moments where sport unifies. And, and in, in a world right now that, that is a little bit broken and um, a little bit divided, this is an opportunity we have as coaches to it's it's it unifies everything and and we've got to take more advantage of that and we got to get we got to get more people involved and in really trying to help these young men and um, through the opportunity that we have as leaders and um, it's amazing what type of impact that can have on them. I know you like to meet with people outside of basketball leaders, just the ones like you've spoken with already before. I didn't. I should ask you this beforehand. I'm assuming that you're a reader. Big reader. Okay, so maybe a book that you picked up over the summer uh, that, that has directly impacted already maybe how you lead there at Furman? Uh, you know, I read, I probably read six or seven books this summer. I would say one in terms of the audience, you know, with coaches right now, I thought one that was very applicable to our teams and our players that was information that, that was easy to get to them would be Atomic Habits. I think um, that is something that's very practical that really, you know, tiny changes can, can, can make remarkable results, right? And and how do we make those tiny changes? And I, I thought I was able to take a lot from that and get it to our team. But I, I read I read a few books. There's a book, Dare to Lead, that I read this summer that I thought was really interesting. 
I really dove into vulnerability. I read Astro Ball, which was which was a good read in terms of you know in the analytics world right now. Uh, really talked about you know the Houston Astros World Series run and how they they really you know blended what they titled man versus machine. And I think that's really important right now. You know, I think that that we're shifting in some ways, and this could be a whole other podcast. But we're we're getting a little bit too analytics heavy. Uh, we're, we're we're making numbers just to make numbers. They're not they're not a lot of times they're results driven. They're not process driven, and and we're losing the eye. We're losing the art of evaluation. And so, how do you blend that? I thought that was pretty interesting. And so, you know, like I said, there's a few more I could give you, but um, you know, not to bore you with. I I, I love to read. I, I read at least. 10, 10 pages every day um, just to just to stimulate a thought and um, it's, uh, it's something that I found is a very good habit you know for me it's I'm dealing with team I'm dealing with boosters I'm dealing with administration I'm dealing with community uh, I'm dealing with my own family right so the sharper I can stay I think I think that stuff really helps one last question do you know if that championship productions is turning your Myrtle Beach clinic into a DVD or not yeah yeah they, they spoke to me about that you know just an honor to be a part of that for that to be Ed's last clinic. You know, I was just, I was fortunate enough to be a part of that. And, uh, they contacted me afterwards and asked me if we were okay with that. Of course, anytime we can help, anytime we can share, make our, you know, profession as good as we can make it. We're, we're pretty open here. You know, we, we are big in the seeing how we can, how we can improve the game. Right. So if there's one small thing in there that can help somebody, then uh, we're all for it. And uh, we're honored to be a part of it. Those who are listening, if you get the chance to pick it up, definitely pick it up. Although people are starting to find out about Coach Ritchie, so you may be able to just see him in person. You got any clinics coming up this fall? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to speak to the Ohio Bat High School mm-hmm. Association. Yeah. It's going to be in October, and um, I, th- I think I speak on that Saturday, the 12th, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a couple other things that, that I've agreed to. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but. You know, trying to balance all that, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, as everything kind of gets going. But, um, again, it's uh, just anytime, anytime we can share, anytime we can help, anytime we can serve others, we want to try to do that. One last thing. I know you're a humble guy, so you won't like me mentioning this, but I'm going to mention it anyways. I don't know if you saw this, but you were on a top 12, actually top 15, something like that, coaches who are making an impact for the next decade predicted. So congratulations on that. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate. God's really put me around some people that are a lot smarter than me and um he's he's put me in situations where I've got great mentors and um, great people that have helped me along the way you know just honored to be able to do this honored to be able to coach the game that we all love and and to be able to try to help people grow coach thanks so much for taking the time for us today appreciate you having me and uh, I'll see you here soon just really quickly if you haven't heard yet about anchor it is the easiest way to make a podcast It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and share the podcast with your coaching friends to help us grow the game. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.